Welcome to Filmmaker's Feedback, a program brought to you by Film Scoring Tips. I am Giovanni Rotondo and I will be your host for this series. The episodes are available as podcasts on all the major platforms and in video form. Make sure you visit filmscoringtips.com to find more info about that. The mission of this show is to better understand the relationship between filmmakers and composers and to find ways to increase one's chances creating long-lasting professional bonds. In today's episode, writer and director Paolo Rotondo will talk about whether or not long-distance collaborations can be successful, and how working with music in film can be a different experience compared to working with music in theatre. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Paolo, thank you so much for being on the show. This is actually the second take we make because I forgot to press the to hit the record button on Skype. Uh, but fortunately, it was pretty early on uh, the the interview. But thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I'm so happy to have you on board. Uh, you are a director that I really respect. I love your style. I we did work together before, and um, uh, in fact. You are right now in New Zealand. I'm in London. You are on a little island uh, called Waiheke. Waiheke. And that's exactly where uh, the film we worked together on was shot. And it's a beautiful place. I've been, maybe we'll talk a little bit about, about uh, that trip later. Giovanni, it is my pleasure to talk with you. It's nice to, um, after having such a successful collaboration, together on a film, it's really nice to, to maybe share some of our experiences. Lovely. And uh, one thing I haven't mentioned uh, is we are not only collaborators, we are also family. The, uh, the last name m might have sold that away already, but we are cousins and I'm glad That's to, right. have, uh, to have an artist in the family like you. We, we were starting to talk about how the collaboration over the internet was and um, whether or not you felt that working uh, you know, uh, with a composer on the other side of the planet uh, with computers and, and uh, video calls, etc., whether it was a burden or whether it was uh, okay or whether it had advantages. I certainly would have preferred to spend more time at the beginning personally with you. Mm -hmm. But then um, once we started talking to each other, and we did a long time before even sh we shot the film, it was, uh, I found that because we, we, we had to schedule uh, Skype sessions like this one at certain times for limited amounts of times that we sort of prepared. Uh, we probably had our notes and our list of questions and our we sort of, yeah, we, and so I think that made the, the actual work quite um, clear. I didn't feel like we were ever confused about where we were at in each stage. It wasn't, you know, at times it would have been much easier to be in the same room, but I think that, it, so in some respects, the difficulty of being, doing it across Skype, we made a virtue of, 
We, we turned it into something that we worked efficiently with it. So that was, uh, yeah, so we, it's possible. But, um, you know, the, the, the thing is that we wanted to, I wanted to work with you because you had a different perspective musically on New Zealand and, and that worked beautifully with it because it had a different sensibility. And so if you want that, you have to, you have to work with someone across Skype. That's the reality of it. And then, uh, and then we met in person for the movie. Um, as I went once the the the, the, movie, the music writing was done, I came along to record a few instruments. That's um, right. And was it, was this a phase that you enjoyed as a director to be part of the recording, the mixing? I think uh, for me, it was one of my favorite parts of the entire process is because the, the edit is uh, complete and we are enhancing everything. It's only getting better. And plus the, the romantic notion of seeing, watching you with a grand piano in a beautiful studio, which was a really famous studio in New Zealand, recording your notes and playing your instruments live in the little boy who came and sang alto for your words um, just added another dimension to it and uh, the authenticity of those live instruments really added to the music for me that, would, it, that, that was vital and it really worked so yeah it was a beautiful pleasure and we, we worked and uh, but it's not work when you're loving your work so much you can't call it work <laughs> it's, it's a passion it was, yeah, it, was, it was perfect You talked about how you wanted an international sound for your movie, uh, that sound that didn't feel New Zealand uh, bound. What is the sound of most or many New Zealand movies right right now today? Can you can you I mean there music is, wise? Um, yeah, there there isn't a very strong emphasis on classical music in New Zealand. Uh, whereas I like score uh, in, in a tr traditional sense a lot. I love, uh, and so New Zealanders, they use a lot of uh, contemporary music in the, and contemporary instrumentation in, um, in New Zealand films. Um, and so there's a lot of New Zealand pop influences in, in so many New Zealand films. If they're the ones, you know, I'm not talking about Peter Jackson's New Zealand films, I'm talking about the ones that are New Zealand stories. That, um, and they, they often have a very strong uh, reggae, Māori influence to, to them. And our subjects in our film uh, were Māori kids, you know, indigenous people of New Zealand. And I wanted to make sure that the music wasn't Was, wasn't their soundtrack, but it was a soundtrack to our, us as an audience observing them and watching them. And I thought you did a, a beautiful job in that. Uh, it, it was both classical and very contemporary where you went. You sort of, you did quite a few different um, genres, I thought, in there. But at the same time, maintaining themes that unified the whole score. In, in, in that sense, it was, a very, it was traditional, wasn't it, for you? What, what do you think, Giovanni? Well, to be honest, it was it was a brilliant experience because you weren't afraid to say, I don't like this, you know, when, when you didn't. And that pushed me beyond my comfort zone. I, I remember the first things I submitted were very orchestral, very um, romantic, 
and it was not what you had in mind. And and the more we worked together, the more I got your vision, and and we went towards a minimalistic, uh, sometimes sound designy approach. Yes. Uh, still on the scoring side of things, though, like like emphasizing emotions more than literally underlining action and that at the end we we found uh, a dialectic that that i'm proud of so it was yeah it was a brilliant experience i i those are my favorites and you were graceful the whole time I, that's what i maybe because <laughs> you know maybe because we're cousins no I, I knowing you i know that you are a graceful person and you were graceful in asking i think uh, um you know, I'm an I'm an artist too. So when when offer when all the collaborators offer something and you're not um, you're not aware of that little part of that person that they're giving and and how how it can be heartbreaking, how difficult that is, and how much effort that's gone into it. That's uh, you know what I wouldn't be an artist if I didn't recognize that. I, I, and so, but I, I think I think those early pieces that you did actually contributed to us finding the perfect music. So um, even though it must have been very hard for you to have prepared and, and thought about all these things and me going, oh, well, it's not quite where we want to go, it actually really helped the process because we, you know, it's, it's not like a process of elimination, but it, it made us really focus on finding the language that we had to have for our film. Yeah, that makes sense. Style. And it's... I think it. I think it. It shows at the end, like when you watch the movie for the first time. Yeah. I, you know, maybe you know, maybe I'm I'm being subjective here, but I think you really feel the two medium, the two media's uh, music and and visual. They they have grown together, it, and it's so organic and and powerful. Absolutely. So, yeah, you spoke to me straight away. Uh, appealed to me as a as a filmmaker is that you talked about the underlying themes and emotions in every scene, and so often, I mean, I have to collaborate with so many people when you're making a film, and they might talk about technical aspects or other things, and they're they're important too. But you had the same interest as me, and this is what's this is what we need to talk about is what's happening with the characters internally in their world. I'm a storyteller and like I love characters and stories. So that's what I was interested in. You that's what you were interested in. So it was like great. Yeah. And you weren't I, you weren't egotistical about it. You were we were always at the service of the story. That's right. And um, I I was saying I uh I, I read the script before starting um you know, composition. I, I didn't enter the project when the movie was already shot. I entered, I kind of entered the project uh, on the script, right? It wasn't even fin finalized, I think, the script. That's when you sent me the, yes. the first uh, draft that I read. And so I, 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 love, I, I love entering a project in that phase because I can start thinking about these specific dynamics you talked about and... Um, yeah, and it, it was even more a way for music and, and visuals to to really develop together. Um, Absolutely. So you 
you are a filmmaker, meaning you direct, you write, uh, and, and you closely work with the editor on the edits. Um, but you also write for theater, is that right? That's right, yes. And by the way, you're also a brilliant actor. I, we didn't mention that. What, <laughs> A famous one in New Zealand. Uh, never got in your my autograph. own head. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not true. Um, so you, you write for theater, and I'm very curious about whether or not there is a difference in working with music and with a composer on theater versus on screen. Absolutely, it's very, very different. It's uh, um, yeah. The, the the way the way I've worked with musicians and composers in theatre is they are a member of the troupe uh, early on, and they develop the music in rehearsals and through the de development of the show. Mm -hmm. So it's and so you you're on the floor and they're trying instruments and things and coming in with a little something every day as you're rehearsing and putting something together. So it's very organic. And so sometimes you don't know where an idea started. Did it, was it the music that inspired that scene to develop mm -hmm. that way? Or was it the scene that inspired the music? And so they're very intertwined together. And I love live music in theater. And I don't like um, recorded music in theater much at all even though we use it when we have to, because it's just, it's the, the, the thing about theater is that it's live. Mm -hmm. That's the special relationship. And that's the With same the audience, for a musician yeah. and an actor. You, know, you can record, but that's right. It's, and, it's a, and you know that they can get a, a note wrong, and it's, in theater that's not a bad thing. It's, right. it's happening there and then, and it will never be the same the next night. And it's, yeah, it's a very special... Yes, theatre is very different from film. Film is, but I love the fact that in film you get to craft more. Live performance is, um, it's much more visceral and, and uh, instinctive, I think. Right, that's very Whereas fascinating. The, when you, you... Um, I'm, I'm thinking, I wish there was a way, and maybe there is, we, we should explore that, to make writing a score for a movie much like what you described, you know, that this this day by day process, uh, it would be it would be awesome. Maybe maybe cinema dictates different that's time right. frames, different time frame. So that that's maybe the main problem is you don't have the luxury of time to do all all the step by step together. Yes, there is one one uh, topic I touch with all my guests because I'm very interested in that, even because you know. Sometimes I think about getting in touch with producers or directors I don't personally know. And I'm, I feel a little uncomfortable sending cold emails or, you know, it's, it's very difficult to uh, draw a strategy to get in contact without sounding desperate or aggressive or so. First question, do you receive many calls, cold emails, approaches of, of kind from composers? Not many, but I have done. And it happens two or three times a year with, um, with composers. Yeah, I have done. And it's the, 
the funny thing is uh, if you're in a um, working moment where your projects are going ahead and you're doing something, it can be very interesting and I can be stimulated by that. Other times if I'm in the, I'm trying to get my own work off the ground and I'm, or I'm in the writing phase, I can barely imagine talking to a composer when I haven't got anything to talk to them about <laughs> right. yet. So, um, but I, I try to listen to what people um, give me and um, I have been probably polite and rude to people who have uh, <laughs> come to me, depending on where you're at in the moment. That's very, that's very interesting, actually. Um, so what are, okay, so first of all, timing is important from what you're that's saying. It, that's timing, yes. So yeah. you, have to, you have to research, you have to know that a director is working on something before contacting the, the person. It's, it's worthless to just shoot. But the other question is, can you remember of a specific feature of the message of the uh, topics discussed in, in the phone call or whatever was the approach, specific features that you, that caught your attention and, and made you want to listen to the music? Because even the step of just listening to your music, it's, it's an achievement, you know, the, the hitting yeah. the play button is already an achievement for me. Once again, I think it, I selfishly uh, think about my perspective more than I do them. I, it's most of the time I do it out of respect. I go, you know, I'm going to give, you know, have time, but I've scrolled through it or, you know, pushed, skipped 10 times and gone, right, I listened to it. I'm done for the day. So I've been that, but other times I've stopped and listened and gone, wow, that's interesting. If somebody said, um, oh, Paolo, I saw your film, Orphans and Kingdoms, or I, I enjoyed the play that you wrote, or I, I've seen this thing, I listen. <laughs> if they, you know, That's they, brilliant. It's, it's easy Golden. flattery, but it gives us an entry point, I think. It's very important to, to be clear that you know the person that you're contacting them, and that, that you... And flattery is always <laughs> a good weapon. Without overdoing it, maybe, but yeah, a little bit. Yes, without, yes, yeah. Good. Um, all right. Let's talk about temp tracks, temp music. Yes. How do you stand with that? Like, do you do you use temp music when working on a on a film? Yep. And and I I remember a piece of advice that I think you also gave me. All composers say, careful with temp music. You'll fall in love with it, and then when the real music comes, <laughs> you'll, you'll miss the temp music. And um, I totally understand. I think that's, um, that's absolutely a golden rule. So We call I it temp, not, temp love. Temp love, yes. yes. Try not to fall in love. Because then not just you, but your producer falls in love with it, your editor and somebody else that you've shown it. And then when it changes, sometimes they just are reacting to change not necessarily to the music itself. And I understand that. So you, the, you, I, you, I sort of have to use temp music because I sort of need to feel it. But um, I, I realize it's very, very dangerous. That's why for us it was quite good. You had um, some music very early on in our process because we had started so early 
that we were able to put some pieces on very early in our first cuts. So that was helpful. And then later on, we'd fill in all the gaps of the ones that weren't yes. finished. But um, that's ideal for a composer when it happens. But I have had, I have experiences where temp music was helpful. To be honest, uh, tell me when when a director use it just for reference and just to give a rhythm to the scene and be able to see how the movie will feel with music and and there's when there's clarity about it you know when when you i talk with the director and it's clear that the temp music is only there for reference then i can you know use it as as it is a reference and understanding what are and maybe you know every time there's a doubt i i've found talking about it and asking questions is the best way to not being corrupted by temp music and not being misled because some other yeah. times it happened that i was misled and then i did something that maybe i didn't i wouldn't have done if i didn't hear temp music and i was trying to you know replicate a specific time signature or some something in the music that wasn't something the director wanted so yeah in that case uh, i i had to take a completely different approach mute the temp track completely and try but you were very open in, in uh, sending me cuts without the music when I needed that or, or giving me uh, directions, true temp music, when I needed direction, when, when I wasn't hitting the right uh, chord with, with my score. So it's, it's tricky because of the language as well, because, you know, you can put a temp music up and I, I can say, I love this for these reasons, but I'm, I'm the filmmaker's perspective. And so my language is oriented around story and narrative arc and, and, and the beats, whereas you might be thinking he loves this piece of music because of some, as you say, some of the technical musical elements of it. And unless we have that conversation and really clarify what's good or bad about a piece, um, we can go in different directions. That's right. From, yeah. yeah. Is there one specific, uh, you know, attitude or, or little thing that composers can do to really be loved by a director? Uh, I, when we first talked about our script, and, um, and this is my, this, I'm sharing this with you about you, so that's kind of weird, but cool. Um, we hadn't made the film, and it was months before thing, and you, I think you'd read the first or second draft, and uh, you, you talked to me about what you thought was happening in the film. And I remember getting, having a Skype like this and literally jumping with joy afterwards going, he gets it, he really gets it. Like, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to write a script and communicate something. And then another artist comes along and goes, I get what you're up to. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it better by making beautiful music, but I get it. And so it was a real moment of triumph and um, that the way you just talked to me about the scenes and narratively and character wise and emotionally 
made me feel like you understood what I was trying to do. And so um, I guess it, I think that's about the communication the composer has with the director to make them feel like they are to get you, you gave me confidence that my thing was it was working because you got it. So yeah, that's very interesting. Jump, I jump remember I remember I was a little I didn't know if I, it was my place, you know, to talk about these things. I, I was that was a few years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. It's wow, time flies. But I, I was uh, starting. This was one of my first. It was my second long form experience, so uh, I didn't know if it was my place to to talk about these uh, dynamics, and and then I said, you know, hell yeah, let's you know. I think I think it might be constructive for the construction of the uh, of the score to talk about these things. I hope he doesn't mind. So what I'm trying to say is be be bold composers out there and and talk about stories and and feelings of characters because you are one of the authors of the of the film. Yeah. It's it's uh, music expands on the storytelling very much. So it's good that you are on the same page with the director on, on these uh, issues. It makes me think Giovanni, that um, the composer has to be a good reader, has to be a good, has to be literate, has to be able to read between the lines of a script, understand subtext, understand the structure. They have to be literate. You know, they have to really read a script and 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 try to understand it. You Would you consider a young composer for, you know, your next um, uh, feature film or, or project, one that hasn't worked on long form yet? Um, I don't know. It depends on the body of music that they've already got that I can hear. And um... That's interesting. Uh, then what would you look Is that you for? playing the music? No. Sorry, I, w I was uploading a... Um, one of my trailers for the Italian Film Festival, which has your music on it. Oh, so you finished uploading. And it, had, it had finished uploading and it started playing, and I was like, where right. is that? Ironic that your music was playing. Yeah, it's my, yeah I, I hacked your computer. <laughs> <laughs> You're in there already. Um, so, yeah, it depends on the body of work they've released. Uh, That's right. Which, which brings us to the next question. When you go on a composer's website and you are checking this person out to see if it's uh, she or he is the, the right person to score your movie or your project <clears throat> and you go to the playlist section and you hear music what can you can you single out the things you go looking for or that or the things that make you say yes this is the person just on the basis of the music? I, th I do think it, uh, it's an emotional connection to something. So you could hear something that's lighthearted and funny, and if it genuinely moves me in that way, or if it's something beautifully melancholic or 
um, something that feels adventurous, if it actually gets that emotion out of, if it incites that emotion in me, then I, I, I put um, style and taste aside and think about the effectiveness of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the other sections of a website you would you would pay attention to? Oh, so a composer's website, and I'm looking through uh, their profile, what they, how they write about themselves. Oh, yeah. really? The the biography yeah. bit. The bio, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's funny because I, I just we just released um, a, started a series on um, composers' websites on film scoring tips, and one article was about bios, uh, and there are many. You know, I I studied many composers' websites to see what are the trends, how many words are the average, how many paragraphs. Do you like a long, extensive biography or would you rather have a short? uh... It seems to me that a young composer who doesn't have many credits tries to show that they have got lots of um, experience because Mm -hmm. that's what they lack. And a more experienced composer can talk in their bio less about the jobs they've done, but more about their intent and what they're after and what they believe. And so um, it also shows the confidence of a person, how they write about themselves. You know, I love this. Some, sometimes they want to prove themselves. So they say, I've done this and this and this and that. And other times you can, you can look at their filmography. Fine. In the bio, I want to find out a little bit about the person. Do they say something that makes me laugh or is interesting or fascinating? Or do they sound like a beautiful human being you want to work with? You know, so no, this is this is so useful. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and edit the the article and add what you just said. It's, I think and reference you, of course. I think it's well, this is so important. And to be honest, I hadn't thought about it. I'm gonna even edit my biography now. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> I had so many things to do already. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, last question before we start talking about our uh, scene that that the, the, the script that we said, uh, oh, yes. sent to the audience. And the last question is about showreels. Do you do you like to watch a composer's showreel to get a sense of what she or he does? Yes, yeah, a showreel works for me as a way of um, seeing how their music integrates with pictures. Absolutely. Uh, maximum length that keep your attention high. Oh, yes. They're getting shorter all the time now, aren't they? You know, we, our extension span. Yes. So I, I, two minutes is, is the, the max, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you like it to have a ton of, of different of, of scenes of, of different projects in or would you rather have a couple or three or four good ones? It's the same. I think it's a very similar thing to our director's showreels is that we want to put everything we've done in, but in actual fact, sometimes it shows more confidence when we have less but well thought out. So if you do two minutes, you might only have four or five of your projects in there rather than 15 things right. all put together. So less is often more because mm-hmm. it, it, it will fit more elegantly together as well, I think. Um, 
scenes with just music versus scenes with dialogue and and sound effects what what which one do you prefer in a, in a showreel uh, both if there's a scene that has i mean yeah if there's a scene that has dialogue in it and the music is somehow uh working in such a beautiful way with it that it takes it somewhere else then i think yeah put it in your showreel that that can work because i'm looking at that going how well does this Composed, do they know how to integrate music and dialogue with a scene? And are they supporting it or are they operating above it or in it um, or separately, you know, as a parallel? So um, you're always looking for that kind of thing to, to see how they work, pictures and, and music, yeah. I hope you're enjoying the show. Please visit filmscoringtips.com to find additional resources for this episode. Look for the area labeled Labs if you would like to help us shape our content in the future and to send us tracks that we will review with our guests on future episodes. To find more about this and to understand what I mean, stick around for the next segment. A few weeks ago, we asked our audience to read uh, a couple of pages from a script you had written before. And this is I had read the script as well. This script became a theater piece that uh, was very successful. Uh, it was performed, I think, not only in New Zealand, right? It, it was performed. Yes, in many countries, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, in fact, I saw one of the performances. You sent me a video once uh, and loved it. I, I, and it's, I think it's symbolic of our relationship. Uh, it's, it's, Maoris and, and uh, Italians that somehow get together in strange in a strange situation. Uh, but anyways, let's let's have the words talk for themselves. And would you mind reading? So, sure, but um, this this version is the film version, of course. This is the film version. And and by the way, yeah. we asked the audience to read it, to read your instructions, which we will share. Uh, in a second, and then to come up with um, with a piece of music. This is this is a segment that uh, I really love because it gives a little insight on the reviewing process of our guests. So uh, yeah, if you if you wouldn't mind reading the script and then the instructions, and then we'll hear what uh, okay. the audience came up with. I'll read it like a table read at a script read-through. Okay. Brilliant. It's called Monga Casino. Interior Farm, Casino, Italy, 1944, dawn. The dim half-light of dawn seeps through cracks in an ancient stable door. A proud rooster prances in the dust at the threshold. A noise suddenly startles the rooster. He crows nervously, flaps his wings, and scampers into the safety of the shadows. Two enormous army boots come to a halt at the stable doors. The old wooden door creaks as, as it opens, revealing Anaru, an enormous Māori soldier, his bloodshot eyes fixed on the rooster. His uniform is bloodstained and filthy from battle. He carries a rifle slung over his back the 28th Māori Battalion emblem on his right shoulder. Anaru carefully props his rifle up against the stable door. 
the rooster clucks betraying his hiding place. Unaware to Anaru, in one of the stalls, a stack of hay shifts. Salvatore, a disheveled civilian, is also watching the rooster. He raises his eyes to the heavens, crossing himself with gratitude. Both men unaware of each other as their eyes follow the rooster's movements. Anaru lunges for the rooster. The bird easily avoids capture, scampering away, and Anaru lands hard in the dirt. Clucking mockingly, the rooster bolts out of the stable door. <coughs> Terrified, Salvatore glares at the large intruder. And before Anru can raise his exhausted body from the ground, Salvatore seizes the opportunity. He vaults out of the haystack with his rifle aimed squarely at Anru's head. Anru looks up, only to find himself staring down the barrel of a rifle. Mani in alto, prigioniero. Hands up, you are my prisoner. Anaru scans the man in civilian clothes standing over him. Partigiano, you a partisan? Salvatore shakes his head. No, non sono un partigiano. No, I'm not a partisan. Fascist! Salvatore spits into the dirt. No, non sono un fascista. Ero fascista, ma adesso no. I'm not a fascist. I was a fascist, but not now. Confused, Anandro shakes his head. Whose side are you on? Che cosa? What? What? Frustrated, Salvatore. Non ho capito. I don't understand. Kaure, Aumoyo. I don't understand. Che cosa? What? Whose side are you fighting on? Frustration, Frustration glows on, on Salvatore's face. He barks angry, angrily at Anaru. Ma che cazzo stai dicendo? What the fuck are you saying? <laughs> And that's the scene. <laughs> that's brilliant. I, I, you, know, I'm, you made me want to watch the, the play again. And I think I'm going to do that when we finished the recording. Uh, and then you had some instructions for the, for, to help the, the task of... Uh, because, yeah, of course, the audience didn't have all the backstory and all the, the, the context. So with the instructions, we kind of try to give them some help. Uh, yeah, can you, can you read the instructions as well, please? Sure. The tone of the entire film is set in this simple scene. The balance between true suspense with jeopardy and an ironic comic comedic absurdity can be established here by the music. The scene as its, and its action will be played with all the seriousness, sense of danger and peril as an action film, yet it should be the music that hints at the comic absurdity of the situation. The rooster, the enormous Maori warrior and the Italian deserter could each have a sense of their own theme. The period of the film is 1944, obviously a World War II film. However, the traditional music tropes of this period are not appealing to me. I'm looking for something that approaches the grandioseness of a spaghetti western, where humor, absurdity, and violence are intermingled. Please try and break up the scene into different sections to create, to create up suspense and build toward the attack. We can imagine this as the very first scene of a film 
where the film's main theme music begins to play immediately after the initial scene ends. Duration, maximum two minutes. All right, so we uh, received a few submissions and I, I always promise uh, the audience that this is on a first come, first serve basis. So we're gonna play, and you know, we, I like to play a couple, so we're gonna play two of them. The first one is from Julia Lima, and thanks Julia for supporting and, and being a, a listener and a supporter of the show. This is the second time Julia ends up in the first submissions. Um, so we're gonna, if you have the file ready, we're gonna, you know, listen to it together and then talk about it. she was very julia um was very clever in listening to the instructions and uh that listening thing i think she took on board what i was saying so you can feel that she's actually um done something that was really di it occurred to me how difficult it is the instructions to say can you be slightly comic but also full of suspense and it's that's a difficult it's a difficult thing to do yeah but i think she's achieved it I think she has a version that has that those two elements happening with it, which are quite difficult to get. So you can imagine how important to a filmmaker it is to get, uh, you know, if they didn't get the comedy or the suspense, I'm sort of lost with the tone. So if this was a real life scenario, right now you would be you would be smirking, you would be smiling, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. I would be. I'd, I'd we'd be in a good place. Would be in a would be a, it would be a really good starting point. You'd be going great. I can get. I, think, I can yeah. feel. Sorry. What do you think? No, no, you uh, say. Uh, I th I think she got. She's Julia is really good at creating atmospheres that 
that are yeah that are very fitting to the scene that's uh, i remember the f the first uh, time she participated i thought that as well uh, yeah i think she followed your instructions which is always a good thing to do uh, oh, let me see I, i'm not sure i'm curious to see how long the file was but i closed it now um, 151 151 so max 2 minutes yes you know, even these little details, I, I try when, when I work with a director, I try to show that I'm listening. It's important. Um, if there is one thing I would suggest to Julia is to work on uh, improving the, the, the virtual instrument library in order to get more realistic sounds, because some of them are good, some of them are clearly synthetic uh, yes. and I, I can imagine this very exact piece of music played in a more realistic way and being magnificent like like I, I, I think there's something really good in it and to yeah she the, the note also like a spaghetti western mm -hmm. is spot on don't you think there's um yeah. a, you could transpose that into a Corbucci film and you'd go, I, I can see that. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's really important to the tone of this because it's um, otherwise you lose. Yeah, so I think, but I totally agree with you that um, the instrumentation does sound a bit synthetic and not, um, but that's, if, if this was a, it's a first draft, obviously, isn't right, it? Right, so of course. You, you go, yeah. And um, so there's some good, there's some really good elements in there. I think you know the, the instrumentation thing is such a minor like if if I if it was the other way around if the sounds were perfect but the music wasn't there it would That's be a right. mu much more serious yeah. issue uh in this case you know it's just a matter of trying and and studying the the instruments and the software a little bit more but it's it's something very easy you can, you know, you can, you can do it easily, yeah. Julia. I encourage you to do that. And uh, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I really, I really liked it. Here, would I, I would say, Julia, okay. can you try something else? Can you try another instrument, keeping the same thing until we find what's working for us? And this That's is what a, I... this is a Phil Rouge uh, among all the episodes. Uh, you know, the first submission of cues. It's just the first step. A composer has to be open and, and, and willful and also happy to develop on the first submission. It's, it's great when something works, even if it's just one or two elements, because you have them nailed down and then the director can see a, a good musical uh, board being built for his or her movie and and give directions to you know to improve on that and and the composer the composer that doesn't want to make changes should probably change the job <laughs> you know it's, it's it, because it's almost impossible to send a cue and and nail it at the first try yeah so yeah it's part of the collaboration i guess absolutely i mean you think the the directors will do 
so many edits of their film and fail 20 times before they get it right. So we're built into the process that we expect everyone to be um, offering and changing and trying and keep going. Right. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, should we proceed to Lorenzo Marino's submission? Lorenzo, okay. You- Feedback. Feedback time. Epic. That was so epic to listen to that. Um, I thought uh, Lorenzo's music is, um, it's, he's, he's, the notes he's taken on from me, uh, I noticed in my instructions that I said it's like an action film, but it has to have the elements of an action film, and it feels like that's the most prevalent note that he's taken from that mm-hmm. so he's taken all the adrenaline and all the excitement and it's it is so exciting that music mm-hmm. it seems to be exciting from the beginning all the way to the end which for me is a little bit problematic i mean i know there's a few bills but it means that there's um it's a similar note similar feeling all the way through um if it was the first draft and he'd come back to me for this, I'd go, if he was my composer, I'd go, Lorenzo, that's, that's really cool. I don't know how to use it right now. I can't use it for this scene because it doesn't have the right sort of dramatic shape mm-hmm. to it. But um, 
I bet we can use it later on in a battle sequence or in a chase sequence because it, it does have – it works in those ways really well. Right. Um, so it, it's kind of like the music is okay but not for the scene in, in a sense. What yes. do you think? Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think uh, I think Lorenzo has the skills to create very convincing, realistic uh, mock-ups, which is, by the way, it's, you know, it's, it's very important too to be able to do that because some directors can't imagine how the music can improve once recorded with real instruments, once mixed properly. You know, the, some directors don't have the musicality to hear forward, you know, what, what it will sound like. And so they might reject the scene solely based on how it sounds in terms of sound quality. So to be able to, to, to create a convincing mock-up is an, an important skill that every composer should develop today. However, yeah, uh, yeah, I think s some of the directions you gave, and, and to be honest, some of the most important ones, Lorenzo didn't follow here. Uh, but I can, I can witness that what, when you say something like, you know, we'll, I like the music, we might use it later, you're not saying, uh, telling a lie. This is something that happened with us as well where I said yeah. something that wasn't working for a particular scene and then we used it on another section. Uh, so yeah, I think, yeah, I think I, I completely agree with you. Uh, the funny bit here is that Lorenzo's track is slightly above two minutes. I'm, I'm watching you guys <laughs> follow the instructions. No, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's just a detail, but I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I really think one should show the director, you know, we are listening, we are there to make your lives easier and, and, and to make your project better and, and we listen to you. So, but overall, yeah, very, very good. And also not only his, his um, uh, sound quality, but also the writing skills are, are very good. I really liked the choir in the background yeah the textures were beautiful so well done and thanks guys for submitting music for this episode i was um i was gonna say i could see me making you know i sometimes work in um get music composed for television commercials when i direct those um i could so imagine taking that piece of music and putting it making a piece a television commercial about sport and putting well, that you know what? Track on it and going, look at this. This is, um, look how heroic and how exciting that is. I'll propose to you this keep, keep that track on your computer. And should the right project arise, um, this music that the uh, audience submit to us is, is not, has not been published by other publishers yet, meaning it is available. So if you find the right place, then I'll be happy to put you in contact with Lorenzo and, you know, cool. who knows, yeah. something might be, some, some yeah. good collaboration yeah. might be born. Um, so yeah, thanks, thanks a lot for submitting music. Please stay tuned uh, for the following announcements, for the following episodes, we will have more exciting um, filmmakers 
sending and, and publishing um, posting uh, scripts to score and, and to review during the uh, next episodes. Uh, Paolo, what are your current slash next projects and commitments that you would like to share with us? Uh, I'm working on a, uh, a, 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 not that project, but another war era project set in New Zealand, a comedy with, uh, with opera music in it, about a choir in a prisoner of war camp. And um, another project that I'm working on is a early, uh, early European settlers meeting Māori in New Zealand. So about 200 years ago, when it was a predominantly wild world. And so that's, um, yeah, those two are projects that I'm trying to get. One is for feature film and one is for long form TV series. I'm trying nice. to get them off the ground at the moment, yeah. And then you're wow. also managing the Cinema Italiano Festival all around New Zealand. That's which... right. We take um, 20 Italian films around New Zealand to 16 towns and show New Zealanders, uh, show this country um, an entirely other, a different tradition of filmmaking. And I love how, how you are proud. You are proud of your Italian origins and, and that, you know, I respect that very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, that. so before we part ways, is there one final piece of advice you would like to share with the audience of composers or filmmakers out there around music? Mm. I think I, my, my general feeling to composers, and to, but it's, it's something to all artists, is um, to not uh, be discouraged in your passion early on when you have, you know, like Lorenzo might have gone, oh, that didn't work for this, but he's obviously got talent. And you want to go, yeah, just keep going. The, you, you fail a thousand times before you strike gold. It's just, but it's the passion that keeps driving you that's important. So keep going, keep working, keep, yeah. I love that. These are beautiful words and I, I couldn't agree more with you. Paolo, thank you so much for being guest of my show i'm humbled and and you know it's always my pleasure with you giovanni and uh i i hope to see you very soon come come this side of the world soon we will be soon all right <laughs> ciao giovanni thank ciao, you Paolo. so much that's our show for today amazing guests are joining me on the next episodes one way to be updated on the podcast's programming is to like and follow our facebook page Type facebook.com slash filmscoringtips on your browser to find it. Now go create something special. I'll see you soon.